joining us again for our AV Side podcast. It's a wonderful place where we unpack topics that surround our faith and challenge our preconceptions. We're back this time for a second episode. I'm one of your hosts, Anzi, and I'm here with.、Uh, it's me, Ben.、Um, guys, Uh, I just want to start by saying、uh, thanks for all the feedback. I thought that nobody would listen to this, but actually, some people have been listening to our conversation, and they <laughs> they are at least semi interested、uh, in what we have to say. So, thank you for sending things in. <laughs> semi, yep. Thanks so much for all the feedback. It's been really nice to know that、um, yeah, you guys are out there listening, and it's not just me and Ben bickering. So Nancy sent us some feedback, and she wanted to ask you, Ben, about something you said last week in last week's podcast. And she said how、um, so you actually enter into a debate because you want to reach the right answer. But so she asked the question: What if there are situations like Paul and Barnabas's situation where there is more than one right answer? So what if、um, Paul and Barnabas's split was the correct solution to their situation? After all, by splitting up, they were able to reach more people with the gospel, and so we can speculate that they left in disagreement, or we can speculate that they actually did reach a point of agreement and decided that the best solution was to split their resources. So she wanted to ask you, Ben, what you thought about that. Yeah,、uh, thanks, Nancy, for, for sending in a question.、Um, so the the short answer、um, is that okay. Well, if there's if there is.、Um, More than one right answer, then、uh, the correct answer would be let's get to all of those correct answers. Like let's let's create a list of all of these possible options, right? But that's not really a satisfying answer, so、um, that's probably not not the best、uh, way to do it. Do you know what? I feel more pressure answering these feedback questions because people are actually asking us because it seems like they want to hear what we have to say. Whereas when it's just me talking to you, I'm like. I can just say what I want because it doesn't matter. <laughs>、um, but yeah,、um, so I think actually I was talking to my sister this week,、um, and she was saying how she very much wants to please people in a in a discussion or a debate. So she she doesn't care about getting to the right answer.、Um, and I think actually for me, I also want to please people, but I want every person to be happy, including myself. Do you want to compromise? Is that what you're saying? Like you want to? No. Like, so, oh, sorry, not compromise. So, like, come to an agreement where we are all in agreement. Yes. Yeah. So I want to do the opposite of compromising. I want us to all be happy with the outcome. And for me, that translates to like the correct answer or the the logical answer.、Um, but I think actually this highlights、um, that's not the only way that we should approach having a discussion.、Um, Because I fall into this trap of thinking that there is always the right answer in everything, so my wife gets frustrated at me when I'm asked to do things like、um, like book a holiday. There's too many choices. I feel like there is a correct holiday, the best holiday for us to go on, and if I book a different one, then I've picked the wrong one. You know, so、um, we haven't got to the correct answer.、Mm. Okay, yeah, that's interesting, Ben. Yeah. I'm in agreement with、uh, Nancy that sometimes there are no, you, there is more than one right answer, and yeah, I'm still under, like, I'm still in agreement with that statement. It's okay to agree to disagree. Woohoo!、Um, <laughs> I would say, I would say though that I think in the case of Paul and Barnabas, we can speculate.、Um, 
but it's not for definite that they split because oh yeah we've got more people now so we can we can reach twice as many as many places so it could be that that's what happened um but but we don't know in the grand scheme of things it happened and good came out from it anyway so all right going on to the next one um so josh uh sent us an audio message for feedback and again he wanted to ask you ben this question hey andy and ben great podcast um my question's more for ben but i mean both can answer how do you deal with those situations then where you can't convince them that you are telling them the facts and they just keep denying that they are wrong yeah right so um actually the way that you phrased that question joss um we we all do this uh not to single you out but actually it's starting from the assumption that uh that i'm in the right uh, and that you're in the wrong that i'm trying to convince you i'm i know i have the right answers and i'm trying to convince you of the facts you believe that the earth is flat um and i'm trying to to prove you wrong um and so i think if we if we enter into a agreement with that head screwed on and we are unwilling to accept and listen to anything else um like i would in a discussion about flat earth i wouldn't be willing to entertain seriously the idea that the earth is flat um then I think we can't get to a consensus because um, we're we're just going to be shouting at each other. We're not going to be listening. Uh, you talked about um, different ways of listening, Ansi, last week, uh, and I think I think that's um, that's crucial to having a discussion. I think the difference is when I'm having a debate with someone that um, that I'm friends with and that I respect. Uh, there's that assumption, hopefully, between us that we are working towards something. Um, something that is um, a common goal uh, so I think I, I don't know if that answers the question but I think if we come in with the wrong motive um, we're not going to get the right thing out of it but that's assuming that you're friends with everybody Ben you're not friends with everybody right which is why I'm not going to go into the street the street and have a debate um, with, with a stranger about uh, some some topic uh because unless i'm ready to enter into a um what well, is it is a relationship isn't it? it it might not be a close relationship but it's a relationship nonetheless um i think what we do do though is we um we do kind of roll over uh, a little bit too often on um people with opposing viewpoints you know, when we like, I can't be bothered to talk to you about this because there's no way I'm going to convince you um, of whatever it is. Uh, but sometimes there is a right answer that, that we're going for. I think it's it's just discerning when that's the case and when it's okay to say agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I will leave you there with that statement. Thanks so much for the feedback, um, Josh and Nancy and everyone else who also um, gave us feedback. But keep them coming. Um, It will make for great discussions, not just for Ben and I, but also certainly I know for you guys, you can talk amongst it with your friends or your life group or your families. Let's keep talking and engaging in deep and meaningful conversations. Okay. And so we're back for episode two. And yay, here's our first question. 
Hi guys, it's Hainem here. Um, I just had a question I wanted to ask and see what your takes were on this. But can Christians have fears and phobias? Because does this mean that we don't trust God and his power enough? Also, how is this similar to or different from our fear of God? Thank you. So, yes, that's a great question. Thank you so much, Hainam, for sending that in. Um, this is a great topic, uh, one which I love exploring. Um, so the first question that um, you asked was, can Christians have fears and phobias? Ben, what do you think? Can they? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> Are you being pedantic about this word can? Like, do you mean, like, can I have chicken nuggets? You mean, may I have chicken nuggets? Are you being pedantic here? Um, I, I'm not intending to be pedantic, but maybe I am. Uh, should we? Is, is, is that the question that we're asking? Yes, Ben. So should a Christian have fears and phobias? So uh, I think this is a, a, I think this is a tricky one. I, I kind of go back and forth, but I would say, yes, I think we can have fears and phobias. Like we have the ability to have fears and phobias or are we allowed to have fears and phobias? So I, I don't think, um, I don't think that, I don't think that what the Bible says is we shouldn't ever be afraid of anything. Okay. Uh, continue, go on. Yeah, so I think, um, I think there's, different, there's different things we can be afraid of, um, but it really comes down to what actually is fear. Is fear a, a feeling or is it an action? Um, or a lack of action, right? Uh-huh. Um, because I might be afraid to, I might be afraid to, I don't like heights, so I might be afraid to climb up a mountain or climb a ladder. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's going to stop me from doing it. It might just, it means that, that I have bad feelings about it. Uh, so I think, I think in answer to the question, should a Christian have fears or phobias? Um, I think if it's a if it's a healthy fear, don't go and I was going to say don't go into that into that cage of lions, but um, but we <laughs> it's not a good <laughs> but example. I'm pretty sure Daniel that did is that. that is not a good example. Okay, so um, what do you think? He Hansi? likes big cats. He does right, and he did go into the into the the den of lions. Um, oh. So his his actions were to go in, but um, like it, Joe Exotic. It, it, it does, I I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't consume that that Netflix uh, junk. Um, it doesn't it doesn't say, as far as I know, um, that that Daniel is or isn't um, like apprehensive about walking into a, a den of lions, right? I think I think to define fear, you need to learn the science behind fear first. So what exactly happens when we are fearful? Are you asking Come me? Come on, science teacher. <laughs> are you asking what, what are physical responses to fear? Yeah, like, isn't that, isn't it normal for everybody to have fear? Right, yeah, like adrenaline, flight or fight, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, like, part of our survival skills as human beings, our response is fear like without 
if we weren't afraid, we won't survive long walking into oncoming traffic, stepping into canals or off cliffs, um, jumping out of a plane without a parachute. There, we would be careless. Like, yes. Do you know what I mean? That is part of surviving. That is why we have fear inbuilt into our brains so that our brain will, you know, it hears something or see something or senses something of a danger nature or a stressful stimulus. And then that leads you to either, yeah, fight it or flight it. Um, but is that not okay to have fears? No, I think that is okay. Like we are, we are God's creations. We're made in the image of God. And so, uh, to, Ooh, let me stop you right yeah. there. So if we're made in God's image, does that mean God fears too? Um, I don't know. I don't have enough information. <laughs> uh, See, I, I just randomly wrote that down as I was preparing and I was like, mm, that's a, such an interesting question. I wonder, does God fear? I don't know. And then what was, your, what was your answer? I don't know. I like... My question is, 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 is fear nature or nurture? And is fear part of our fallen world? Like, if it's part of our fallen world, does that mean that, much like sin, does that mean that God doesn't fear? Just like how God is not equal to sin. So I think, I, I, I think, it's, I think it's right that we're looking for a definition of of a fear but I don't, I'm not sure that we've completely got one yet or maybe the <laughs> word the word fear can mean multiple things to multiple people yes um so I'm imagining kind of a, a spectrum uh you know you, uh, on one side you've got um I suppose it's right to say uh I don't step into the road because I'm a f like without looking because I'm afraid of being hit by a car mm. um, but that doesn't mean that I'm terrified of cars and I run away from them um I'm fine to stand on the on the pavement, uh, right? So I think I think that's that's a. Do you have boundaries in in terms of like where it's safe to walk and where it's not safe, and therefore if you step out into the road with like you know on the motorway or whatever, you will definitely get hit. You know that. It, yeah, uh, but it doesn't mean that I'm I'm uh, terrified to to ever put put my feet on the on the road instead of the the, the pavement. Um, and that's a one-sided spectrum. And then you kind of move maybe towards uh, what we might call phobias, um, maybe kind of in the middle. Like, I absolutely am terrified of uh, like op open heights, yeah, or spiders. Um, but, you know, like, we can we can overcome those 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 kind of... Maybe, maybe a psychologist might say irrational fears. Um, there's no what do you mean? Okay, so this is this is my other question. What's irrational and what's rational then? Do you know what I mean? So you you uh, you said you're scared of spiders. In the UK, there's no rational reason for us to be scared of spiders because they're not none of them are poisonous, right? Like mm. it's just a bit creepy. So obviously, lots of people are scared of spiders. Um, I'm not saying you don't need to be, but um, like they're irrational because. Like there isn't a particular reason, whereas it's very rational to be scared of stepping into mo moving traffic. And then, and so on the spectrum, so then you've got phobias maybe towards the middle. And then at the far side, you then got anxiety, things that are um, 
having a physical effect on you that are affecting your mental health as well as um as well as these are the kind of phobias that um you can right you can can walk away from those because i can just climb down my ladder or you can just go into a different room where there aren't any spiders um so i think it's important that we kind of know what we're talking about when we say fear okay do you think fear can be so okay my question is for you ben is fear nature or nurture then I think it can be both. So I was um I was on the the roof of the shed the other day, um cutting some tree branches, and um it's fine. It's like not very high, um but I said to to Mandy, I was like, "Did your parents ever ever warn you about falling through ceilings? Have you ever come across this? Like no, what's so, that? So I feel like every time I was on the roof of anything." Um, or there was an opportunity to go on the roof of anything, you know, which is like fun to do as a kid. Um, so say, <laughs> so, you know, like going into the loft. Um, or, oh, yeah. Okay, loft. Or like we, we grew up, we had a um, an extension with a, with a flat roof on. Sometimes like a football would go up there. So I'd want to like climb on a ladder or climb out of the landing window to go and fetch it. And I feel like every ceiling ever um, that I had the opportunity to climb on, my dad would always be like, oh, be careful because you'll fall through it. Um <laughs> Right, of course like if, you would, unless you're doing like parkour or something. But oh, that's so silly! Of course you would fall through a ceiling. Uh, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe your your more your structural engineering is is better than mine. But so I don't I don't know if that's true or not. But um, so I have have this. It's not really a fear, but um, precaution that every time there is that opportunity, I'm always thinking: Is it safe to do this? Am I allowed? Is is it gonna? Am I gonna fall through the roof? Uh, so. So uh, I was up on the roof the other day uh, and I was really conscious of, okay, don't move, Ben. Just be really careful. Think about where the beams are under the under the covering of the roof because you might fall through. Um, and so, yeah, so th- that's an example of a, um, I guess it's not a fear, but it's a, a precaution that I take. And I don't know if it's based on, it's never, it's not based on me falling through a ceiling, certainly. It's based on what my, what my dad told me. So, um, yeah, absolutely nurture, but I think also nature as well, right? Like we are scared of, you're scared of spiders and we're all probably uh, deep down freaked out by the shape of spiders um, because of some kind of biological response. We don't like the angles and stuff because they look all just pointy and stuff. We're scared of, of wasps, be- not just because they sting, but also because of the colors that they have. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, actually, I'm not scared of spiders anymore. I used to be, but I think through time I managed to get out of that fear. So I was, it was really interesting because I was reading up on fear conditioning. So it's the term where you are training, you are basically training or conditioning animals to be scared of something. And so I understand that as how even for us as humans, our experiences shape us. So um, a bad memory of a bad encounter with the dog. I got really scared of dogs because, believe it or not, I was chased uh, by a dog from, how old was I? Probably five years old with an ice cream. I remember being in uh, Covent Garden and running around because there was a dog chasing after me. I thought it wanted my ice cream. But actually, we all know now as adults... Um, that if you are running, the dog will follow you. 
thinking it wants to play, um, that you want to play with a dog. But actually, no, I just I had a really bad encounter with a dog. And so I was conditioned to being scared of a dog or like even riding a bike. I was conditioned into, you know, being scared of riding a bike because I fell off when I was young. Even seeing a dentist, sorry, Jason, um, were, were scared of dentists because of the bad experiences that we've had. And so, but I also know that you can get out of that. Like, what's that? What's that term? Um, I think it's something to do with uh, just extinction, fear, extinction, fear, extinction training. That's where you get therapy or you have some exposure and you kind of get past it by having more encounters with it. So to get over my fear of dogs, I think um, it was Sam who went on holiday with his family and they, they asked me if I could take care of their dogs. And I kind of felt like, oh, maybe I should get over like my fear of dogs. And lo and behold, I spent like an afternoon playing with them. And before you know it, I was fine with dogs. Like it was crazy. And same with riding a bike. I spent an afternoon riding, learning how to ride a bike. Um, am I still scared of dentists? Mm. <laughs> but, but yeah, we, we do have the ability to get out of it. So that is the nature part of it. But in terms of nurture, no, 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 sorry. That's the nurture part of it. But in terms of um, nature, what about fear of man? What do you mean? Like, I'm scared of other people? Yeah. I'm, I'm an introvert, so I'm scared of people, yeah. No. Are you that scared of people? No, I'm not, I'm not scared of people. Um, what, what, what do you mean? Like, is that, is that okay? Like, fearing man? Well, I don't know. What, what's fearing man? Like, is that part of... So, fear, so a biblical example of fearing man, fearing others would be Pontius Pilate. He was scared of man, men. He was scared of what people thought of him. I think that's why people are, some people are people pleasers because they want to please other people and they're scared of the repercussions of, you know, upsetting someone. Or Peter, Peter, he was also scared of, you know, he denied Jesus three times. Yeah, that those aren't uh, positive examples though, are they? Um, yeah, they're not like, the, the, the Bible doesn't present those as like these things are the correct way to behave. Um, but actually, I think I think it's interesting that we use the word fear because I don't I don't know if it really is a fear in that like you feel um, that that terror, you know, like you you feel unable to um, to move. I remember. Um, when I was younger, like being on the side of a mountain and, and not being able to move because I was so scared of, of the the drop. Um, mm. I've never been in a situation like that um, with with society, but it does kind of link back to what we were talking about last week and the the nature of why we might disagree with each other um, because there is that um, apprehension about uh, finding, yeah, not not being able to resolve your your friendship or your relationship or looking bad um so so yeah that there is a social thing there um i don't know if i would class that as fear in the same way that um you might be afraid to uh to go into a, a lion's den for example mm. interesting well um 
it makes sense that we are talking about this though because yeah there's a lot of fear right now with the virus with all the bad news uh, and everything that's going on in this world but the follow-up question that Hainam asks was um does this mean we don't trust god and his power enough when we are being fearful i think that's a really good question um I think I think maybe the current situation is a is a good place to um a good context to to put it in though, right? Um we are we're in lockdown at the minute the whole world essentially is in lockdown um because we are afraid of the consequences of not doing it. We're afraid that that hundreds of thousand people uh will die. Um uh-huh. and we don't we don't want that. So so we are kind of um uh, to some extent, um, it's, I believe that this is the right thing to do, that we should be on lockdown, but um, to some extent we are um, considering, we are letting fear play a, a role in, in our, in our behaviour, definitely. That's part of the survival though, isn't it? Yeah. To help others survive and also for us to survive ourselves. So the alternative though is, is like snake handling. Okay. Right, so come across these uh extreme um these christian ostensibly christian uh, pastors of no particular denomination um and uh they will say well you know what it's okay for me to like they will get snakes into their church and they will hold the snakes uh and they will they will claim that um that jesus is going to protect them from the snakes when they're holding a venomous snake and they, they hold on to that right um, is this a real story? Yeah, this is a real thing. Snake charming. Uh, not snake charming. Snake handling is a real thing. Yeah. In churches? Uh, in in very extreme churches. Um, I would say that this is clearly not biblical. Um, okay. But yeah, maybe it's attached to kind of the, the prosperity gospel thing. Like God will always... Uh, as long as you have enough faith, as long as you get enough money, then oh, God's, you'll never God's have gonna... cancer, right? Yeah, you'll yeah. never, you'll never die. Exactly. There was a there was a clip uh, going around in the news a few weeks ago of of a um, American churchgoer, and the reporter was asking her if she was going to stop going to church or if she she needed to wear a mask, and she said no because the blood of Jesus covers me, so uh, I'm not afraid. And he said, well, are you afraid of of catching disease? And she said, no, I'm not afraid of that. Um, and the reporter said, are you, are you afraid of passing it on to people? And she said, no, I go to church and the next day I go to the, to the shops. Uh, so she's not afraid of passing it on and killing her grandma. Yeah, exactly. Um, because of this, uh, of this incorrect theology of, um, okay, Jesus will protect me no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, a, a good example of that, of, of taking this, this concept of um because we have to be careful right like i think absolutely we should have this absolute trust in god and we're told um that that we should trust in the lord with all with all our hearts like we should put that in um and that should cast out all fear but that's not the same as um being reckless right um so i think a good example would be 1 timothy uh, chapter 1 um, that says for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid right you could use that and you could say well you know just because of this verse then we should uh, always never be afraid we should always um, just kind of jump in feet first um, 
And that's not what that verse is saying. That verse is talking about fear of persecution and it's saying you shouldn't be timid about the gospel. You should go out there and mm. you should face the challenges. Um, and that's because we have something greater, which I guess we'll talk about um, a bit later. But um, the point of that verse is is go out there um, and don't be ashamed and don't be afraid of what's going to happen. But it doesn't mean don't be afraid of a rattlesnake if you see one. I guess, yeah, that's taking Bible verses out of a context, which we all do to a degree, don't we? But what about, what about, is fear a sin then? So I think, I think if it, if it stems from a lack of faith in the gospel, I think I would go back to, to what, what do we actually say that we believe in? And if we if we say that we believe that we've got um, this Father in heaven who who loves us and cares for us, but more importantly that um, our time on earth is uh, is temporary, and that actually our home is in heaven, and and we've got this place that we're going to go to um, where there is no fear, there's no crying. Um, actually, if we're looking at it from that perspective, from the eternal perspective, uh, then okay, maybe I'm stuck on this mountain and I'm terrified to move because uh, I'm afraid of falling off it. Um, but actually, you know, if I do fall off it and I hurt myself, then, uh, okay, it hurts, but it's temporary. If I fall off it and I die, then, okay, <laughs> I've died. Um, but that means that I get to go to heaven, right? Like, so um, I I think that's what the Bible talks about when we're told to, to not fear um, because why should we be afraid? Why should we be afraid of this minor thing when um, when we have this greater reward to look forward to and that reward can't be taken away from us? Um, in Hebrews, it says, um, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Like, it doesn't matter when you put it in the context of eternal life. But what about anticipation, though? Like, we can anticipate terrible things that might happen, like worst-case scenarios. Most of us haven't experienced a plane crash, yet we get a bit nervous during liftoff or landing or even during turbulence. Like, we can anticipate that this virus is, you know, there's, there's so many people that have it. Like, is, is that not okay? So this is why I said earlier, I think it, it depends on whether we're saying fear is an action or a feeling. Um, because I think as a feeling, uh, you know, I was thinking, my, my, my daughter was saying the other day, um, she wanted to get something from, I don't know, where's the iPad, um, daddy? And, uh, and I said, oh, it's in the living room. And she said, oh, can you come into the living room? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of... Uh, being in a room with no one there in case like my reflection comes I don't know it's like some weird I don't know what she was where she got that from but um it's it's funny because I said to her oh you don't need to be afraid like that's that's silly and we say that to people all the time right like oh don't be afraid of a little spider it's fine it's not going to hurt you unless you're in like, Australia or, or somewhere um don't be afraid of heights it's fine look I can do it why don't you just copy me? Put one foot in front of the other. If you've ever been in a situation where you've been actually afraid, none of that talk helps you. 
In fact, uh-huh. a lot of the time it makes you feel worse because you yeah. kind of feel, well, that person can do it. Why can't I? So you're saying that that person's fear is invalid? Saying, I'm not, I'm not actually saying that as like, that's not my point of view. Um, but, but saying to someone, do not fear, isn't particularly effective advice, I don't think, in, in terms of feelings. So when you went, so did you go into the living room with your daughter then, even though she was afraid? Yeah, I had to eventually. Uh, but uh, and that's not, that doesn't cure her of her irrational no. fear of, of empty rooms. But um, it, it was just a, a solution to, to the problem. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you agree with that statement? Because uh, the Bible says do not fear quite a lot. Um, and so I wrote this down in, in, in our notes um, that do not fear, I think, is not particularly effective advice i think it depends on the context ben in terms of so in the bible it does say do not fear so what context were those um the angel appearing to mary do not fear uh what else Uh, another angel appearing to isaiah in isaiah 6 do not fear fear not um but those are in the right type of contexts i think but yeah it's a tricky one isn't it because it's like it is part of our survival to be scared and then you do something about it you either fight or flight but in the right context i think yeah it's it's yeah to say do not fear it can be quite ineffective it's not helpful yeah um well i mean i I put it in there just to just to provoke discussion so so i (laughs) like that's not my that's not my and that's my unnuanced uh point of view um because you've got you've got things like like um psalm 3 like i will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side um Mm. And actually, that's that's maybe something that, that. But sometimes, so sometimes, if you tell yourself not to fear, okay, this is you telling yourself, like almost like giving yourself a pep talk or preaching to yourself. I think that is needed sometimes. So you, because I think the fear can cause a lot of physical harm. Like you know, I don't know. You clench your fist. You you start sweating. You know, your heart starts palpitating. You get IBS like me, or like you know, you just get really nervous and your throat starts trembling because you know you have um, pub- fear of public speaking. I used to have that. I occasionally do, believe it or not. Um, but but I think sometimes, like when other people tell you, it may not be that effective. But yet, I know that when I tell myself calm down Anzi it's going to be okay it's like you're reinforcing it and you're reminding yourself that it's going to be okay and then I think yeah there comes a time and a place where people will you know give me that verse or um fear not for I'm with you or whatever um and maybe it'll come at a good time do you know what I mean so it's not always an ineffective advice to give to someone yeah absolutely so so my my caveat would be um actually when when you read isaiah 41 that says do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed for i am your god uh-huh. the the important part is that last um those yeah. last last five five words points back to god right i am your god for i am your god yeah um and if you 
if you comprehend that, if you understand that even a little bit, um, then that kind of helps remove um, maybe some of the the paralysis that you're feeling. It doesn't mean, though, that you are not going to to face the the danger of um, of whatever it is that that you're that you're thinking about, right? Perhaps, perhaps you will be surrounded by angels like Daniel was in the lion's den. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But perhaps you're going to face um, immense persecution. Um, perhaps you're you're going to actually be worse off because you're trusting in God um, and because you're you're making that a, a public um, declaration so um, yeah. it's a two-sided coin but I think it's it's that eternal perspective um, that's the most important thing to to look towards heaven and and go you know what okay yeah this is this is scary right now um, mm-hmm. but the virus sure whatever um, but there's there's more there's there's um, there's a, a, a place to go where uh, this won't happen anymore I came across this quote from John Piper, um, and it reads this. What God is doing, among a million other things in the coronavirus, is forcing the issue of reality. And one of the litmus tests of whether your life is based on reality or based on the mirage of God. Ignoring pillars, holding up the cultural temple of secularism, is fear. The test of your foundations of your life is fear. Would you agree with that statement? Would I agree with that statement? Um, That's a long sentence. Let me read it again. One of the litmus tests of whether your life is based on reality or based on the mirage of God ignoring pillars, holding up the cultural temple of secularism, is fear. Right, okay, I got it. So he's saying one of the litmus tests of if your life is in the right place is fear. The test of your foundations of, of your life is fear. Yes, I would agree with that statement. Based on the foundation being like, is your foundation placed on fear? Is your foundation like papier mache or something? So I think if you if you put it, we're moving away from um, specific fears uh to a general uh kind of approach to to the world to life right um if you put it in the context of uh i feel like i'm talking about heights quite a lot but if you, if i put it in the context of heights um it's actually not heights that i'm afraid of it's falling that i'm afraid of so you're afraid of falling and you're afraid of dying i don't actually think about the consequences too much I just know that falling off something would be really bad. So if I'm up So you don't high, go on roller coasters? No. Yeah, so roller coasters are fine because I'm strapped in. Um, even even <laughs> abseiling. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, unless unless I'm at Ulster's house. Um, even abseiling is uh is is not a problem for me because actually with abseiling you are forced to the first part is scary because you're like leaning backwards you're putting your weight on this rope um but then once you're leaning backwards you're not going anywhere there's there's nothing that you can do unless you physically like start unscrewing stuff and taking your harness off that can make you fall um so in that context i have confidence in the um equipment that actually i'm not going to fall i'm probably safer on a rope 
than I am standing at the top when I have to like climb over a, a bar or something before I'm clipped on. Um, so stuff like that, abseiling or, um, or you know, yeah, or go ape or, uh, or or being up high in a in a skyscraper and looking out the window. That's that's not not terrifying for me because I'm high up, but I'm very confident that uh, there's no way for me to actually kind of be pushed off or fall off. Um, and 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 so I think it's I think that's that's the essence of of what this is saying. If your life is is based on this um, security in Christ, this idea that whatever I face, I've got something better. It doesn't matter what happens to me on earth because there's something better that I'm going to. Uh, then I guess that's a reflection of, uh, like like John Piper says, it's a reflection of where your foundations are. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if your foundations aren't like built on Christ, then you will go crumbling. You will let fear master over you. So, moving on, back to um, Hainam's final question of the three. Is this similar, or um, sorry, the fear and phobia aspect, is this similar to or different from our fear of God? So I think I'll, I think if you're talking rationally, like rational fears, like um, don't step into the road, mm-hmm. um, I think it's, it's exactly the same thing. But a fear of God should be um, even more... Uh, we should consider it even more seriously than uh, than a, a fear of stepping into the road. Because of God's power? Is that what you're implying or what? Yeah, absolutely. Jesus said in, in Matthew 10, do, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Uh, and even though the the... the the one who will do the destroying uh, is clearly Satan here. Um, actually, God's the one that that allows that that to happen because he's uh, he's fully in control, right? He's fully um, yeah. He's omnipotent, omnipotent, um, and so uh, w- we need to have that uh, that respect, right? Um, we yeah. need to we need to have this this fear that uh, not not fear is in terror not fear is in i'm going to run away but yeah. um, a healthy respect like uh if you remember in school using like the the bandsaw or like the the equipment in um in woodworking Wood yeah. yeah uh you don't need to be afraid of them so that you run away from them but you need to have a healthy respect to them um so you don't cut your finger off right um and so we need to be doing that we need to have that fear of god we can't just uh, treat him as if he's um, someone that that we can uh, just just only come to uh, when we when we need someone to help us out. But actually, yeah, we we ignore him the rest of the time. We actually need to have this this respect and reverence and awe um, mm. where we are taking things seriously. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's the same if, if you're talking about um, maybe healthy fear is is a as a good word to describe it like. Don't jump into the road. Um, don't uh, be careful when you're using a sharp knife. Like you still use those things. You still interact with them, but you know what they can do. Uh, oh. And I think it's the same when we when we talk about fear of the Lord. 
So Ben, final question. Um, this is my extra bonus question, aside from what Hayden asked. Was Jesus ever fearful? Did Jesus get scared? What What came to mind um, during during our discussion just now um, was, and when when earlier when you mentioned um, when I talked about as being made in God's image, and 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 we were saying, well. How does that? But does yeah? Does, does God work? is God scared? Like, does God have fear? So, so the only verse that came to mind was um, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, and oh snap, me too! Right, and so so him him saying, um, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, then may your will be done. But but it, you get that sense that um, that he's got this understanding of of what it's what's going to happen on the cross. Mm, mm-mm. So anticipating it, he, he, he can anticipate it. Yeah. What, what, what do you think he's anticipating? Well, he, he knows what he's going to be doing, right? That's why he came. Is he just saying, though, I'm afraid of having, um, like, I'm afraid of being whipped and, and, and beaten and I'm afraid of, uh, of, like, the physical pain? I don't think he actually said that, though, right? No, I mean obviously that that's it's terrible, and I would be uh, my father. I would be afraid in that situation. It said, "My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, as I, not as I will, but as you will." I think that's incredible. Like he is submitting to God's will. Right. So it. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm confident in saying for definite that. I think he was afraid. Um, I feel like I, I would need to do some further study into that to to really understand what that means. But um, that's okay because I've already I've already looked into it. Because uh, <laughs> go go ahead, research it. Um, well, basically, I I I thought about this, and actually, I I learned that yeah, this this whole thing was recorded, and this happened because it goes to show that Jesus is. He was fully human and he's expressing his humanity. And I think that is part, partly part of being in a fallen world. Yeah. That's why he came because of the fallen world. That's why he came because of the sin. In order to abolish that sin, in order to abolish fear, in order to like, you know, restore us. And I guess he's just right there in, in, the, in the garden. He was crying out and expressing his humanity in agony, anticipating the cross and the death. So obviously it makes sense that he was so overwhelmed with that emotion. And I think that is a great example of, you know, how much he loves us because he was willing to go with that, go through with that. Do you so, know what I mean? So, yeah, so go you, on. So you would say that this is, this is fear then? Yeah, I would, I would call that fear. Like he was fully human. Right. Yeah, we all know that he's fully human and fully God. But this was this part of his, you know, his human nature. And and it makes me, it reminds me that actually Jesus was really open and honest to God about it. And whenever we're being scared, we're, we're feeling scared or anxious or afraid of something. I think it's okay to cry out to God and be open to God. Because he's capable of taking it away. He's capable of, you know, helping us 
and helping us in our fears and yeah he's powerful enough to raise people from the dead and so like i see i see that little exchange there as like just you know because it's recorded in the word and it's it's you know and and god speaks to us through his word and so i see that as you know god telling us we should also be praying and we should also be crying out to god What's sad is that his friends disowned him at this point. Like, they fell asleep. Well, not disowned, but, like, they fell asleep. Like, they couldn't even keep watch for him. So, like, I thought that was interesting when I read up on this passage, how, you know, he's turning to his father, perfect listener, and he wants, you know, he wanted his disciples to be on standby and to have that support. And yet they, uh, you know, fully human, (laughs) fell asleep. So, but, so what is it that Jesus is, um, is actually afraid of here? Because he's, he's turning to God, but the answer that God gives him is this does have to be done. Mm. So he's, he's not taking away. um, But it's it's the the anticipation. He's not taking away the action per se, because he anticipates that it's going to happen. But what, so the anticipation of what? Because I, I think... Of being beaten up, of being, like, tortured, and then, and then, and then eventually, you know, dying on the cross. Wow. Okay, amazing. We found a, a point of disagreement uh, on this, otherwise agreeing podcast. So my take on this would be, um, you know, it. I feel like so many... Um, so many martyrs, so many saints have endured this this level of um, of phys- physical, yeah, physical punishment, physical persecution. Um, and when you hear their accounts, you don't always hear that they are. I mean, of course, we're all going to be apprehensive. Like, of course, nobody wants to be beaten up or even killed um, or tortured. But that's not what Jesus is is asking. If 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 it was the case of he had to come to earth and just be beaten no, up. No, but he, but he asked, if, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. Nevertheless, because he knew, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, but I'm saying the, the cup that he's talking about, I don't think is um, being beaten or mocked or, um, or even... It's a whole... It's a no, whole no, 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 no. I don't think it's any of that. I, I think, think it is? I, I think because if if that was if it was just God had to come to earth and endure being beaten up uh, and ridiculed and um, and and have have nails put through his body. If it was just that, um, then I, I, I feel like, you know, like we're talking about like the fear of the Lord. Jesus is God. He he fully knows. We we only know just a tiny bit of how good God is and how um how amazing it is to to be with him. And so um I feel like if that was the only task that Jesus had to do to just endure this physical um punishment, it would be um it would be easy, right? It I I feel like that the apprehension would be would be nothing. He wouldn't um what he, like a lamb being led to slaughter. That's not what we're talking about, though, right? We're not talking about slaughter. We're talking about, like, the, the things that lead up to that. So the way that I read this passage, 
um, is that actually he's he's talking about the moment where he dies. Where does Jesus go to uh, on Friday, on Good Friday, before he he comes back on Sunday? And you know he he talks about um, being being in paradise with with the Father with the um, it's the whole with package the, with the rubber. Then. No, no, no. So so it, that's that's you, what you think, and I'm telling you what I think. Um, <laughs> go on. It, it's it's the separation that has to happen between the son and the father. It's it's the descending to the dead part. It's not the uh-huh. actual act of dying. Um, it's it's what happens when he dies, and at that point when he says it is finished, when the curtain's torn in two, that's the point when he is separated from the father, uh, and that is the thing that he's the most afraid of, right? And it's that that it's that same. Um, separation and then reunion with the father that that we have it's that hope that we have to look to um that means that we don't have to be afraid like it means that we don't have to worry about what what we're gonna face right right because of what he's done i'm in agreement with you there you didn't let me finish but i see it as the whole package yeah i mean i i think for me it 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 um it's a spectrum, right? Like, of course, if, if we were in that situation, we would be absolutely terrified, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but I don't think that's what Jesus is afraid of. Jesus is, is afraid of uh, this. So this, yeah, this is why I didn't want to say earlier for definite that I think he is afraid here because I think I'm I'm not sure how I feel about saying he's afraid of. Um physical pain but i i do know how i feel about saying he's afraid of being separated from god because that's such a greater um yeah i I see that too yes right than than just okay over the next however long it is like over the next three days um you're going to go through the worst the worst period of your life and it's going to end with you dying that's awful, right? But like, if anyone can have the eternal perspective, it's Jesus, right? Like, if anyone can look can look forward and say, you know what, this is this is temporary and it's going to pass away, and I'm going to have this thing to come, uh-huh. it's Jesus. So I don't think he's he's there saying it's not like stage fright, like oh, going to find a reason to back out of this. It's no, actually, I'm part of this relationship, this Trinity, and. What's what has to happen here is we have to be separated in yeah. order that then we can be joined together with everyone, and that is that vastly overshadows um, whips and a crown of thorns and and being mocked and and even even being put on the cross and and the the, the pain and the um, suffering that that goes on there. All of that is um, is minuscule compared to the actual thing that happens at the end, which is when he dies. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you there. Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's like you won an argument, but uh, we weren't really arguing. We were just discussing. Anyway, Romans eight thirty seven reads: No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, 
neither height nor depth, neither coronavirus or financial loss or no food in the cupboard or not being able to meet for church or give each other hugs or even loneliness or fear of the unknown or the future. Not anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes. I like that verse. Yeah, it's amazing, right? Like we we have it it doesn't matter because of what we have. Yeah. Because of what he has done for us. Being separated, dying for us. So what have we learnt, Ben? What have we learnt? <laughs> what have you learnt? I didn't write anything down because you told me off last week. Uh, oh, sorry. Going into this section. Yeah. I wrote down something. I wrote down eternal perspective. That's what, like, we should always be, you know, setting our minds with the eternal perspective. Um, even in light of, you know, all that's happening right now and the things that we're scared of. And, yeah, there is the unknown of the future, but I know that God holds my future. Mm. yeah it's um it's it's that having that that trust uh yeah I, I think is is the most important thing and if if you don't have that trust or if you find yourself um not putting enough faith in that uh then i think it's it's more actually it comes back to fear fear of the lord and it's it's mm. more understanding uh who he is it's it's if you if you get a sense of wait this is the creator of the universe this is um this is the beginning and the end uh, mm. and he's got a place for me and he he came and died for me then actually uh why should why should i need to fear like right yeah. like the hebrews 13 again the lord is my helper i will not be afraid what can mere mortals do to me actually yeah. like whatever it is that that we're worried about um like losing our jobs or like financial worries or even persecution, um, physical harm, whatever. Actually, all of that is just just a a, a blip on the horizon of eternity. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, nope, it's good. Good discussion. So, can Christians have fear and phobias? Yes and no. <laughs> yeah okay so that's it guys um it's a great topic for today's podcast we hope you enjoyed it and learned something new um and would love to hear your thoughts uh, yeah you can send us any feedback or any future questions that you want us to answer um you can send them to any of us uh, any of the pastoral team on whatsapp audio um you can give us a written message or you can email us on abside at thebcuc.org.uk. If you enjoyed this show, please rate us on your podcast app so that we can get more random people listening. Um, so to extend the message of God's truth to all online. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe so you get notifications or automatic downloads. Speak soon and stay safe and God bless. <laughs>